unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach and a very special guest. And I hope I didn't ruin the surprise. <laughs> um, how could you have? You haven't said his name yet, but I will. Um, Kyle Milligan is a successful copywriter with a very unusual view of the world. Uh, lucky for us, it's a way of seeing things that helps him create copy that makes a lot of money. And let's see if what you hear from him today will do the same thing for you. Kyle is a staff copywriter right now for Agora Financial in Baltimore, and he won a coveted award for the performance of his copy. It looks like this giant gold record. It's, it's almost larger than a human. Um, this uh, award he won for bringing in 51,000 new names to the company in 2018. Now, if you think, oh, well, that's easy because Agora is a giant company and they've got lots of resources and, and all they do is wave their magic wand. They could take a piece of dog crap and turn it into 51. No, wrong. Exactly the opposite. It's very competitive. And it take it from me. It's not easy. It takes skill, perseverance, and something special I have not yet been able to identify. But Kyle has identified something unique and very valuable um, that I've heard him talk about once, but I've never heard about from anyone else. The four emotions of copywriting. He's agreed to talk about them today and a few other things on the Copywriters Podcast. And for that, I'd like to thank you in advance, Kyle. I also thought you might like to know that first, I've agreed to talk about this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. And I do believe that Kyle's copy is subject to a legal review. So that was an additional hurdle it had to cross before he brought in the 51K names. Kyle, welcome and, and thanks for being here. Thanks very much for uh, having me on and the very awesome intro. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so you have taken research in my estimation to a new level. I mean, most copywriters will research a particular sales letter or VSL or script or ad, you researched copywriting itself. Yes? I think that's kind of a, a good way to describe it. And I have some reasons. This might be an open loop. I'm going to take notes here. But uh, sure. I think, I think I have a reason in my story. If we get into my story at all, we'll play into that in a big way about why I kind of almost went a little over the top with it. <laughs> so right. definitely wanna, but yeah, I think that uh, it's 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 kind of it's difficult because like perfection is the enemy of the good. But at the same time, it's, uh, enough is really not enough. I think is a good way to kind of think of it too. So uh, that's a very long, convoluted answer to something I think we'll get into in, in the whole story. In okay. 
But um, yeah, I mean, why don't you get into the story? Because, you know, most people go to copywriting, get into copywriting, and they will turn to me or John Carlton or Dan Kennedy or the Agora Copy Camp or um, some of the lesser programs that I won't disparage by mentioning. Um, or, you know, some of the old masters like Claude Hopkins and um, Gene Schwartz. And, but you, um, maybe you did that. I'm, I'm guessing you did that. But you also said, no, I've got I've to go to first cases. I've got to go to the a priori basic foundation stuff. <clears throat> and, and as a result, you've come up with the four emotions of copywriting, which I know we'll get to and which I've found an innovation. And I've studied a lot of things. I won't say I've studied everything, but I see most of the new stuff that comes down the pike. And this is really different. What is it in you that made you want to get past what everyone else is studying? I think a lot of it has to do with ignorance. I think a lot of it has to do with, like, in hindsight, uh, it's really easy to say he wanted to do... The, go the extra mile. Like even when we're looking over copy, we sit down and we pontificate about what the writer was trying to do. And the writer's like, oh, I was just trying to write some good copy. You know, right. I wasn't trying to do all this crazy stuff that you say I'm trying to do. You know, I think I find myself in that position sometimes. So the, the big story, and I think this is a very important point that I try to make anytime I can in it, when I have an audience as large as yours or like a platform to make it. I went, I, my, my, my coming into Agora was an, almost an accident. I heard Joe Schrieffer on the uh, Copy Chief radio podcast talking to Kevin Rogers about this free copy camp. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about copywriting. I knew that it existed because I was trying to write novels and sell them, but they weren't selling. And people were like, well, you have to market. And I knew nothing about marketing. Nothing. So I was like, okay, well, what do, how do I do that? And then I hear this word copywriting. So I'm Googling and then I stumble on this podcast. So there's a lot of folks who come in and, and it's like, it's, I almost kind of feel like somewhat un, unworthy at times. Like there are people who dream of making it to Agora and they practice and they hustle and they read and they study. Me, I wanted the free copy camp because I heard that he would pay for us to go to copy camp. So I could get free training and they pay for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, now I can sell more of my stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was a total ignorance sort of thing. Most of my story can be traced back to this idea that I credit. I finally found a label for it. And Stephen Pressfield wrote about it in his book called Do the Work. It's mm -hmm. two words. Stay stupid. Like... All of my blessings in life have come from complete ignorance of like not knowing any better. So yeah, so I sent an email to Joe. Well, let me let me dignify this thing that you're you're um, self-deprecating about, which I I appreciate it. Uh, but um, there's a Zen concept um, called beginner's mind, which is I think the mindset of masters. It means you don't look at this from a point of view of an I'm an expert, I know everything, but I really don't know. I need to find out the the fundamentals. You could look at it that way too. Not not trying to change your story. Just wanted to give you an additional uh, arrow in your quiver. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, I think that is a good point. I'd say you know I need to find out in one word equals curiosity, right? Okay. So we could use that angle. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I shoot an email to Joe Schreifer. He doesn't answer. I'm like, Hey man, I saw your podcast. I was like, Hey, why don't you hire me? <laughs> and he didn't answer. So, <laughs> so I sent a follow-up email and it just said B U M P with a smiley face. Like, Hey, I'm still over here waiting for your answer guy. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really know who he was or what he was about or anything about Agora. I was just like, this dude said he'd give me training. Where's it at? So again, yeah. complete ignorance and stupidity. So, um, I get in there and I know I need to learn copywriting. So I read, you know, Adweek Copywriter Handbook by Joseph Sugarman. I read the Boron Letters. Uh, I might have read one or two other books about copywriting. So the first day on the job, I get in and I ask, you know, the very, the, the question I get so many times, and this is kind of why my, my whole like platform or YouTube channel and all that stuff always preaches this. I said, well, what book do I need to read next? And so it wasn't my idea. I didn't have this brilliant moment. Like, I don't think I've ever come up with anything creative in my life. Someone said it. And then I said, oh, that. So uh, I, Evaldo was my original copy chief. And I said, so what do I need to read next? And he's like, you don't really need to read that stuff. He said, he said, you need to read copy. Okay. So I didn't come up with it. Um, oh, okay. That's, oh boy, that, that's, that's interesting. You need to read copy. Um, you know, let, let, me, let me stop right there because that's where you came up with um, your uh, discovery, which I'll call creative, and I, I certainly accept that you won't. Um, <laughs> and the, the thing about reading copy is it, it depends on how you read it, right? If you just look at it, I mean, someone was telling me about a very new person who was reading it and saying, oh, I don't like this. Oh, the person's being repetitive. Oh, they're using, you know, blah, blah, blah. You weren't reading it that way. You're you're mm. reading it with a um, an in, inquisitive mindset as to what are they doing and why does it work and how does it work? Is that true? Yeah. So good point. So you talked about like Zen a little bit, and then like let's compare that to this idea of like I'm reading copy. Oh, I don't like this. They're being repetitive. Oh, this is that. You know, the words like I don't like this. It's kind of like applying judgment to what you're reading, right? You're reading it sort of like as a, I guess, as a passive consumer of the contents. Right. So when you're meditating, right, and you're sitting there and you're quiet and you're not doing anything, you're, you're seeing thoughts come in. You say, there's a thought, get rid of it. There's a thought, get rid of it. You don't judge it or think about any further besides here comes a little bubble of a thought. I need to eliminate it because that's what meditating is. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing with copy. When I would see those things, so first off, you know, I was in a position where I had a library of here's all the copy that worked, you know, like this copy made seven figures and here's the list of all the promos that made seven figures. And so when it came time to read them, it wasn't my place. And again, as a person who doesn't know any better anyway, to judge whether this is good or not, it simply is. So I had like a highlighter and I remember one of the first things, like I basically read so much that I just read them all. I just kept reading them. And eventually, patterns started to emerge. One of the first highlights I ever made, and it was funny because I showed this with Rob Braddock, who's actually doing very well at Wealth Press. They just had a big launch. Yeah, I know Billion Dollar Braddock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was the first person I showed this to. And um, I believe it was an Evaldo promo. I believe it was Weekly Wealth. It was Alan Nutman's Weekly Paycheck Indicator. Uh-huh. And I remember I was like, I said, dude, look at this. Look at this. I had a yellow highlighter. I said, look at this page. And then I flipped the page. You see this page. Flip the page. See this page. And every page had one yellow highlight. And I was like, he just says this one line on every single page. Like, it, there's not a page where this line does not appear. 
So that can't be an accident. Like I can flip a page and there's the line, you know, almost mm-hmm. like mechanically. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, well, what else is happening like that, that we don't even realize is happening over and over and over again? So uh, you weren't seeking out patterns. You started to see patterns. And then you said, maybe there are other patterns like this. Is, is that right? Yeah, because again, I, um, and this is the point I was going to make way back at the beginning. I opened a loop. Uh, I didn't know anything about copy. So I felt like I had to, I had to like dissect these things and figure out, you know, like how and why are these things working? Like why does writing in this order? Like that's, that's what it is. Like I'd also don't, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the creativity of copy because it is kind of a structural mechanical game in a way. Right. And I felt if I could, and I like that too, because that levels the playing field, right? One, one engineer might be more talented than another engineer, but in general, one mechanic can fix an engine. Another mechanic can also learn to fix or build that engine. Yeah. So it it makes it so we're all equal. And I think that's very important too, because I know there's like this giant, you know, golden barrier to entry sort of for copywriting and A-listers and that's, that, that separation. And I think that that's kind of like a limiting in belief that's self-imposed on people who don't, who don't know to sit down and, and do what we're talking about, which is like, look for the patterns until it becomes second nature. Now, when I'm reading a promo, I can, I can sense like, eh, you gotta, you gotta mix it up here. Like I'm, I'm losing interest. And then I already know from a repertoire of experience, like, I know what you should have put here. Like, you should have introduced the guru by now. Like, why am I listening to you? Like, it's about the pattern. And that comes into this whole thing. I'm, I'm getting away from, I'm running away with this conversation now. But it comes to this, uh, this language of copywriting is what I decided to label that. So all I'm doing is I'm taking things that are existing in the universe and I'm putting labels on them. I'm just saying that's that and that's that. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over a copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. Yeah. And that's really good because um, most people don't do this. And I've, I've sort of looked for patterns myself and done really well with that with, with copywriting templates, but I was looking for things a, a lot more structured and traditional. You, you got right down to the, the core basics. Let, let's talk about that. Um, and, and like I said, uh, for everyone listening or watching, this is unique in my experience. I mean, what is the language of copywriting? 
So for me, the only way I could think to, when we write a promo, let's talk about financial copy. I'll tell like a story and I'll bring it back to the language. When you write a promo, it's sort of like uh, the structure of, you know, I got this system. You won't believe it. You, pull out, you, you punch a button. It spits out a trade or whatever. Like you, you watch when it enters the buy zone. You place the trade. You cash out. Wow. Now watch again. Enters the zone. You place the trade. You cash out. Wow. Okay. So eventually you get to a point where you, you need to be able to explain this system. There's like two versions of an explanation of a system. But I, what I've labeled the technical explanation and the, the layman's explanation. And they always go the same way. It's always like, hey, I've got this stochastics and MACD and uh, this heavy analytical algorithm, but you don't need to know all that. Here's all you need to know. Okay. So that's your technical explanation. And they immediately transition to like, all you need to know is it's a lot like this piece of bubble gum. I chew it, I blow a bubble, I get rich. So they kind of they kind of explain it away, some dumb example that, you know, what? <laughs> That's not how it works. But, but you, can, you can sit at a bar and you can say to the guy next to you, half drunk with one eye open, like, hey, it's as simple as chewing bubble gum. Like you chew the bubble, you blow it, it money explodes. It's, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. So the language of copywriting is sort of a iteration of that. Like, how do I explain this idea that there is a uh, universal law or order or structure to this? Like, when we speak, we don't garble up our words. I can. And if I do, it will be much more difficult to understand what it is I'm saying. It won't be as pleasant an experience. But we know that the red apple fell, right? And, and I was able to, the, the language is good because you can relate to it, just like the bubblegum example. So for, for instance, if I'm speaking Spanish, you know, you reverse orders, but you still understand it because you're speaking that language. In, my, in a past life, I went to school, I got a master's in accounting, and I went down the CPA world, and they have their own language. When they say a word, when they say, uh, you know, accounts receivable, or they say PP&E, property, plant, and equipment, that word comes attached with all these subtle understandings and meanings behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with copywriting. When we say proof, when we say hook, when we say headline, when we say lead. So when Evaldo asked me to submit copy for the job, he said, can you send in a headline and lead? And my response was automatically, yes, I can. My first action was Google headline and lead. (laughs) I I don't know if people understand the, uh, the irony and (laughs) the, the, the way you were walking a tightrope by saying yes, and not even knowing what those things were. And then with Evaldo, I mean, nice guy. I love Evaldo, but like he is, what, isn't he the highest earning copywriter at Agora Financial right now? Some 80 oh. million or something last year? Yeah, it's not even close. I won't, I don't, won't speak to his numbers, but it's a landslide. Like he's, he's basically a company on his own. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when you just say, yeah, I'll have you a headline and a lead tomorrow. That's, that's sort of like Leonardo da Vinci saying, I'll have you this uh, new invention tomorrow morning. Yeah, except I wasn't Leonardo. I was like the plumber, like saying, I'll get it, Leonardo. Don't worry. So, uh, <laughs> Leonardo, right. Yeah. Well, what, what, here, I'll tell you what I did. Again, man, I am not, I'm not special. So Evaldo said, you know, here's an example of a, a promo from Agora. And he sent me, uh, I want to say Patriot Checks. He said, just write a headline and lead about your favorite book. 
And so what I did is my favorite book at the time was this book called Bigger, Leaner, Stronger by Mike Matthews, which was like a fitness guide. And I saw Patriot Checks and here's what it said, you know, I've got this thing that does this. So I said, all right, well, I've got this new bodybuilding system that sheds weight in like whatever day. So I looked at this first line and he was like, take a look at something, something, something. I was like, okay, well, take a look at this. And then his next line was like, Pete made $1,000. Jeff made $10,000. And uh, Jessica made $1,400 all in three days. So I went to the Bigger, Leaner, Stronger website and I said, okay, well, Mike lost 10 pounds and Jack lost 20 pounds. And, and again, like I just saw what he did and I was like, all right, cool. I can do that for this. And it's, it's all, it's all hundred percent original content. Cause I'm talking about weight loss, like nothing, nothing but the structure is duplicated. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me into Agora financial. That's interesting. Yeah. And that is what so many people it's either they can't or they don't want to or they don't understand. That's a step that a lot of people don't understand when you're swiping. It's not about, you know, just plugging in a couple different words. It's about stepping back, seeing what the structure is, and then reapplying it to another situation, maybe with enough different words so that it's not even close to being um, a plagiaristic foul. <laughs> Yeah. One time I got caught like a deer in headlights on one of these sort of like uh, calls and his question, like he hadn't, I I wasn't expecting this. I should have been better prepared. He was like, what's the one thing that drives you nuts in your industry or something like that? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, duh, (laughs) I don't know. So um, I figured out the answer though, or one of like the biggest, like what's the thing, the biggest mistake and I was like, how the hell would I know what the biggest mistake is? Like, I don't know anything. So um, I was like, okay, here's the biggest mistake I see probably would be people who think copywriting is creative. And it comes back to, you know, the guy sent me what works. Okay. And I've done this before for folks who want to come to the Agora open house. I'll send, I did the same thing. I gave them the exact same benefits that I had. I said, here is uh, Trump bonus checks, which me and billion dollar Braddock wrote. I say, here's Trump bonus checks look at this promo and then sell me your favorite book. I basically laid it out there for them. And then they'll send me this, you know, emotional driven story into this section, into that section. And then I'm like, no, like I, I, I gave you the instructions, right? I said, all you gotta do is like, see this, do that, but do it for a book. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake copywriters make is they think that and I might be wrong about this. I could be wrong. I think the biggest mistake that people make is they think they have to come up with stuff. They think they have to be like super creative and clever. And I think the mistake they make is they do too much. Like this is, this is what works. You know, this is already been proven. And then and if you read enough copy, you'll see that, oh, wait, it worked here. It worked there. It worked there and there. And, and everyone is trying to reinvent the wheel. And it's never, it's never like, okay, well, let's try this little thing differently. It's like, let's just rewrite the whole... I just read this book called Made to Stick, which I've read a couple times now. And they gave it to us in Copy Camp. And very, 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 very early on, they tell us about this experiment. There's three groups of people who are asked to write an advertisement. One group of people has no instruction. Uh, Another group of people had a brainstorming session before writing the advertisement. And the third group were given other ads. The third group outperforms all the other people. And they say, well, what's the lesson to take away from this? He said, are we trying to tell you that being creative is a paint-by-numbers approach? Well, yes, being creative is a paint-by-numbers approach. 
is that essentially we are not trying to create new rules. We're trying to create new ideas within the rules. So your content should still fit what works. It's your, your ideas should, can be unique and special and all that stuff. But they should fit in the skeleton. Like, don't try to create a new organism, right? Yeah. You create a, a person with blue eyes and brown eyes and, and yellow hair and brown hair. But he's still a person. He's still got two arms and two legs, ten toes and fingers. Well, let me throw out a, a proposition to you about what you're saying. Um, could it be that the creativity is not inventing a new structure? Not inventing a new way to do things, but inventing a new way to do the same thing, a slightly new way that won't be recognizable, that won't be a copyright infringement with the circle C. Um, and that, that's, that's where the real creativity in copywriting is. I think you're exactly right. And it goes back to the idea of instead of trying to, uh, like, like I say, like whenever they try to do something creative, they never try to do like what you're talking about. Like, hey, what can we tweak about this offer? It's usually like, <laughs> offers are dead. We're not doing offers like that anymore. Now, we're just <laughs> we're well, doing well, them on let, trampolines let me, and then me, throwing me, them off of buildings. Why people do that? What I'm talking about is a lot less glamorous and much harder work and more frustrating because you might have to try 10 different tweaks on an offer till you come up with one that follows the rules and is fresh enough to be different and is, is intriguing. Would you agree? Yeah. The biggest mistake, and it's the biggest mistake because it is the most difficult thing for copywriters to do is less, less talking, less selling, just straight to the meat, like what it is And that, uh, man, what book was it? I just read too. It might've been a Stephen Pressfield book, some French guy. French engineer or something said that like the perfection or whatever beauty or something in engineering is not when you can no longer find new things to add, but when you can no longer find anything else to take away. And I think that speaks yeah. volumes for copy. There, there's a, there's a, a much cruder copywriting version of that, which is um, what Joe Carbo called the RCA principle in, in the lazy man's way to riches. He said, build the best radio you can and then keep taking parts out of it until it stops working. Hey, listen, we have run out of time, but would you come back next week? And um, because I still want to get to those four emotions of copywriting. <laughs> we didn't uh, even talk about them. Yeah, I know. What a tease <laughs> you are. My God, what a copywriter. No, would you? Would you? Yeah, would absolutely. You? Nathan, how about that? Um, shall we? Yeah. Um, before we're out of here, though, I would love if Kyle would share uh, somewhere for the listeners to go and check out more of his work. Oh, yeah, sure. Great. So um, the big four emotions, which I didn't even really get to go into on this one. Uh, I wrote a book called Take Their Money, and that's available at kyletherwriter.com forward slash book. But uh, all my stuff is pretty much at kyletherwriter.com. Yeah, and I have that book and I strongly recommend it. It's really good. Um, and it's it's unique based on solid research as opposed to unique based on, gee, let me uh, smoke some herb and come up with a really wild idea. It's, it's solid stuff. <laughs> nice. All right. And, and until next time, actually, you know, if you want to make sure you catch the next episode, make sure that you're subscribed to the, to the Copywriters Podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening at. And you can check out more episodes over at copywriterspodcast.com. Yeah. Can't wait till next week. 
Thanks, you. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.